It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Jerry Willis. I'm Steve Ducey. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 2nd, 2023. I'm Alex Hogan. Your plans and travel might revolve around the weather, but have you ever wondered how much the weather really matters when it comes to space? Here's a look through the lens of meteorologists who help plan every rocket launch and return. Once you undock from the ISS, there's there's no turning back really because you're, uh, you're beginning to orbit the Earth. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Oh, it's only rocket science. You know the saying, well, it's part of the vernacular because precision is imperative when it comes to rocket launches. This week, four AX2 astronauts returned home after a trip to the International Space Station, to Americans and to Saudi astronauts, including Saudi's first woman in space. A successful mission and a successful splashdown, which highlights how everything needs to line up perfectly. But sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate. And that's why teams of meteorologists need to closely monitor the weather patterns. Here in Cape Canaveral, being in East Central Florida, we are in the lightning capital of North America. Brian Sizik is a launch weather officer in Space Force's 45th Weather Squadron, based in Cape Canaveral. He explains. If I could boil my job down to one sentence, it's our job to make sure that the rocket doesn't get struck by lightning on the way up. Now, obviously, you don't want to be launching through or near a thunderstorm, which we certainly get a lot of here in uh, here in Florida, especially in the summertime. But a rocket can actually induce a lightning strike that would not have naturally occurred. So this is called rocket-triggered lightning. So we have a set of 10 weather rules that we apply to every single launch. doesn't matter what type of rocket, uh, what launch provider. So we know what types of clouds in the atmosphere could potentially hold a charge that maybe isn't strong enough to get a natural lightning strike, but it is potentially strong enough to get a rocket-triggered strike. It, it's kind of like shooting a lightning rod through the cloud. I was reading that you also have to look at the density of some of these clouds before launch. I mean, on a basic level, how do you do that? How is that measured? So we're primarily looking at radar data, actually. So we have several different radars that we use. And um, the higher the reflectivity. So on your phone, I mean, you can see, you know, if you're just looking at weather radar, there's the greens, the yellows, oranges, and reds. And the higher, you know, the, the warmer those colors are, the higher what we call our reflectivity value. So the radar is sending out a pulse of energy. And the more energy that hits the cloud or hits what's in the cloud and bounces back, the denser the cloud is. So we use different thresholds from the radar data to uh, evaluate the type of cloud that it is and its potential to hold a charge. And we also sometimes don't just use radar data because radar can have a tendency sometimes to overestimate the thickness of a cloud, for instance. So sometimes we have a weather aircraft, a surveillance aircraft that we can send up there. And are you talking about a weather balloon or is this a different kind of aircraft? So this is actually a little bit different. We do launch weather balloons for just about every launch. Here in the Cape, we launch 
weather balloons two or three times a day in the summertime because of the thunderstorms. We have an additional balloon that we launch uh, around 11 a.m. local time, but um, during launch countdowns as well, they'll launch even more balloons. So we get it for the weather and then the launch provider, so say it's SpaceX, NASA, United Launch Alliance, they're getting the winds data they can load into the rocket so it knows how to steer it's going through the atmosphere. But that's actually separate from that weather aircraft. That's literally like an airplane mm -hmm. that's flying around the clouds and we're talking to the pilot and he's letting us know. So we have a lot of different sources of, of weather data coming in. And the more as weather people, the more data we can get, the better, especially the weather can be awfully tricky uh, here in here in Florida, so. Yeah, especially during the summer months. So I think yeah. in some of these launches, especially when we see people standing outside, it looks like beautiful weather. It doesn't seem like there's any thunderstorms that could be approaching. Of course, the weather can change quickly in Florida. Uh, does the temperature make a big difference? Because we're so close to the coast, that helps kind of uh, mediate the temperatures a little bit, moderate the temperatures, I should say. But where temperatures do come into play is like when we launch the weather balloons, the temperature altitudes that the clouds are at is actually really important. Yeah. So the cloud can hold a charge when it's in what we call the mixed layer, mixed phase layer of the atmosphere, where you have different types of uh, water particles. So you might have liquid raindrops. You might have um, what we call hail or grapple, which is kind of like soft hail, or then you have ice crystals. So when you have all those different sized particles, in that certain layer of the atmosphere, which is typically between about the freezing layer around zero degrees Celsius to the minus 20 degrees Celsius layer, they fall at different speeds and they hit each other. And that's actually how you get the charge to separate. So it's that layer of the atmosphere between the freezing layer and the minus 20 degree Celsius. So the higher up in the atmosphere, the colder it gets typically. Yeah. So that's what's really, really important. That's what all those rules are based off of is typically where the clouds are in relation to those critical temperature altitudes. When we think about splashdowns like the AX2 astronauts who returned to Earth on Tuesday, what are the weather patterns that you need to look at before they were able to re-enter? So that one in particular is a SpaceX Dragon capsule. So we support the crewed launches that not just the launch, but also the return missions so they go up to the International Space Station, they dock at the ISS, and then sometimes several months later with the, the NASA missions or with this one, which is Axiom, that was a private mission. They were up there for a little bit over a week. We support the splashdown, which is typically somewhere off the coast of Florida. So there's four different sites in the Gulf of Mexico and then three different potential sites off the Atlantic coast, all around uh, the Florida Peninsula. So we're looking at a lot of different factors, and weather is the critical piece there in terms of which site do we choose. We begin sending forecasts usually about five days prior to the undock. Um, we work with the SpaceX teams and the NASA teams as well to try to identify what's going to be the best splashdown site. So one of the critical factors is winds. You don't want the winds to be too high, waves, precip and lightning. Those are kind of the main ones. You don't want the capsule coming through a thunderstorm, but usually the winds is typically uh, kind of the limiting factor. So we really want as calm as winds as possible. So we're looking what's gonna be the best day on the primary day. And then we usually like to say, hey, just in case something were to happen, we wanna have a backup day as well 
that's going to be suitable for weather. Cause once you undock from the ISS, there's, there's no turning back really. Cause you're, uh, you're beginning to orbit the earth and then they do what they call a deorbit burn that slows it down and yeah. eventually brings it back. So with a rocket, you can just keep it on the launch pad. There's, there's nothing stopping from just keeping it out there or rolling it back to the, to the hangar. But once you undock from the ISS, you, you kind of have to come back. So it's really important to choose to find a site that's suitable for weather and um, and go from there. Were there any issues with this recent re-entry and splashdown with weather patterns, anything that you had to change or redirect? So, no, this one actually uh, went pretty smoothly. Uh, my colleague, Mike McAleen, was lead on this one, but I was kind of working with him as well. The primary day was all, always looking pretty good, but it was just a matter of do we need a backup day? But really, because the primary day was looking so great, they they went for it and we had the successful splashdown. But, you know, in the past with some of these NASA crewed missions that have returned, uh, oftentimes they'll slip later and later just based on the weather because, you know, we really want to be sure that we we have a safe safe weather conditions for landing. You've been listening to Brian Sizek. He's a launch weather officer in Space Force's 45th Weather Squadron. More on this after the break. There are so many really exciting things that are coming up for people who are space enthusiasts or just curious of whether it's NASA or SpaceX. And there is a lot of partnership between some of these launches. Yeah, absolutely. So our launch cadence here on uh, Cape Canaveral Kennedy Space Center has really picked up. When I first started working here about five years ago, we maybe had 20 to 30 launches per year. Last year, we had 57 launches. This year, we're on pace for maybe 80 or 90 launches. Um, right now, most of those are SpaceX um, commercial missions. So they're launching uh, their Starlink satellites, which is their own, you know, their own satellites. They'll launch some commercial satellites for telecommunication, private companies, that kind of thing. They also, um, you know, these different companies might partner with with NASA. So right now, SpaceX is launching astronauts uh, to the ISS, whether that be NASA astronauts or private astronauts and, and some of these other companies. So another big one is United Launch Alliance. So they have some, they do a lot of like military and, and DOD kind of satellites. So we have plenty of launches here. Uh, this weekend coming up, we have a, a NASA mission, a cargo resupply mission. So they're sending up some food and supplies up to the International Space Station uh, for the astronauts. It's been an exciting weekend if you're up in space and you finally get a care package from Earth. <laughs> exactly. With some food, sometimes they send uh, ice cream up there. So that's very exciting for the astronauts. Actually, a funny story. There was one time where they were sending mice up on one of these cargo resupplies. And I think they were sending a, a certain, it was a very special type of cheese. But right before the launch, they discovered there was mold on the cheese. And so I was like, can we just go to Publix and, and get some more cheese? But it was a special type of cheese that they had to ship in. So that actually delayed the launch. Well, everything has to be freeze dried, right? Or it's a special right. type of cheese. So I imagine, yeah, it's not something you probably right. pick up at, at Publix if you're in Florida. Exactly. I, I threw that out there. God, you know, I was told I was being stupid, but uh, <laughs> they got to have the right type of cheese up there. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. We have, like I said, several astronaut missions coming up, um, whether that be private or NASA astronauts. There's uh, so SpaceX has been launching uh, the astronauts as a part of the commercial crew program. Um, but Boeing is also a part of that. So they're going to have their first astronaut launch coming up this year as well. So both SpaceX and Boeing, private companies launching NASA astronauts. So that's 
Very exciting. There's a mission called Psyche that will be launching on a SpaceX Falcon Heavy rocket. Um, that's going to an asteroid that's between Mars and Jupiter. So right now that's slated for uh, towards the end of this year, I believe. So that that's going to be a really cool science-based mission. So we just had Artemis 1, so that's NASA's new program to go back to the moon and go to Mars. Artemis 2 right now is slated for, I believe it's kind of the end of 2024, and that's going to be the first Artemis mission with astronauts on it. This last one was an uncrewed mission that flew around the moon and came back, so that was super exciting to see that. That mission was really successful. Yeah, and it's a really fascinating thing to be in and be a part of, especially with all of these changes and so many technological advancements. Uh, for you, I know that weather has always been a big passion for you and doing specifically weather when we're looking at space travel um, and not something that you initially thought you were going to do when you started in this career. So so how much has this inspired you being in, in a field that's just changing so much and so rapidly? It's a really exciting time to be in space. And I, I really just kind of have to, pinch myself that I'm going to get to play a small part of these really cool missions. And, uh, you know, sometimes as the weather people, you, you, you're kind of the, uh, the buzzkill because, you know, everybody comes out to watch the launches and stuff. And you're like, ah, you know, everything was perfect except for the weather. Um, but you know, as, as my colleagues have reminded me, like, Hey, you know, we made sure that it was safe. It wasn't safe to launch. And then that's where we come in. Yeah, well, the next time there is a launch and anything is delayed because of weather, I hope that people think about all of the meteorologists behind it, making sure that not everything runs just safely, but that people on those ships are safe as well. Brian Sizik, thank you so much for your time. Exactly. Now you know who to blame. <laughs> who to thank? Who to thank? Thanks again. Thanks, Al. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.